Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into his granary, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, when all the people are baptized, when Jesus has also been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my son, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well done. Well read and well sung. Let's give them a hand as they are headed back to their seats. As you can tell, it is Kids Sunday today. It's always an important Sunday. It is Kids Sunday within the season of Epiphany, which... uh, gives me the opportunity to say to you kids in the room that uh, uh, cartoons are great. And uh, growing up, uh, many of us in the room can remember this incredible phenomenon called Schoolhouse Rock. Amen? Anybody remember these? This is how we learned how bills became laws. This is how we learned about conjunctions, right? Exclamation points. This is an important thing. Schoolhouse Rock. And since it's Kids Sunday and since we're kids of all ages, I wanted to gift to you today another Schoolhouse Rock episode, this one on prepositions. Like a butterfly or like a bee, like an ant as busy as can be, these little words we call the busy pea. Preposition. Nine or ten of them do most all of the work. Of, on, to, with, in, from, by, for, at, over, across. And many others do their job, which is simply to connect their noun or pronoun object to some other word in the sentence. Busy peas, if you please. On the top is where you are. The top relates to where. With a friend you'll travel far. With a friend you'll go. If you try, you know that you can fly over the rainbow. Over the rainbow is where you can fly. Busy prepositions, always on the go. Like a bunch of busy bees, floating pollen on the breeze. Buzzing over the meadows, beyond the forest, through the trees, into the beehive. Busy, busy bees. Busy prepositions, always out in front. On the edges, in the crack, around the corner, from the back. In between the action, stating clearly to your satisfaction. The location and direction 
Prepositions give specific information. Oh, yes. Amen. Welcome to church at OKC First. It should be educational at some level, right? So prepositions establish the relationship of one thing to another. And we have, for every season of the Christian calendar, we have different colors. We have different colors, and I think we should have different prepositions for each one of these seasons of the Christian calendar. And I think that the best one for this particular season is with. With. With establishes that one entity is alongside or with Another one, and this withness is going to be very important for us today. So it is the season of Epiphany, and I told you last week, and I will tell you every week, that the season of Epiphany is supposed to be, in some sense for us, training. We're supposed to learn all over again how to be fishers of people. We're supposed to learn how to do evangelism training. We're supposed to learn how to do evangelism and, and outreach. And, and I would say this to you, because some of you are already nervous as I talk about outreach training and evangelism training. Again, it conjures up for you images that are not necessarily fond for you and memories that are not necessarily fond for you. But I will say this to you. Man, the Christian life... The Christian witness, the Christian message is all about this with. I mean, we, it's only been a couple of weeks since we were saying and singing right out loud, Emmanuel is God with us. God with us. Now, we all know that God is over and above us, and we all know that God is around us, and, but I don't know about you, but I am most compelled today that God is with me. God is with us. Here, now, it communicates presence. And evangelism that does not communicate presence, God's and yours with the person you are evangelizing, evangelism that doesn't communicate with is probably brutality or just nose counting. I, here's, here, I want to take some pressure off of you and then put some pressure back on you, okay? Let me take some pressure off of you, okay? I don't think that this necessarily has to be something that is so foreign to who you are and what you do that somehow you feel like you have to completely change who you are or what you do in order to be an outreaching, evangelistic sort of person. That's the pressure taken off. Here's the pressure put back on. I do mean to say to you that as God has made the move to be with us, so we Christians are to make the move to be with whomever. Christianity subtracted. If you subtract the presence and the withness from Christianity, all you have is legalism. It's all you have, rules, regulations. It's the presence part. It's the presence part that gives it life and keeps it alive. I am grateful that a guy by the name of C. Ray, a long time ago, made it a point to go and be with some of these mean boys, like mean boys, dangerous boys, mean and dangerous like Ron Wheeler, right? I am glad that C. Ray made it a point to demonstrate the withness of the gospel for Ron. On March the 5th, 1944, I walked into this church when it was down at 901 Northwest 6th Street. My name is Ronald Wheeler. I became a straight shooter on that day. My grandmother brought me here. And immediately I went in and met, met our teacher who was Brother Bishop. And man, he knew the Bible. We called him the old man of the mountain. We talked about 
Christian. And then finally we went to summer camp in uh, June. And, uh, with, and every morning he would take us up to the cross and tell us the stories. And we felt so close to Jesus. But the one thing that he taught us more than anything else is Jesus, once you get saved, is in your heart. And I remember that so well the night that there were uh, 28 of us went to the altar down on the river and uh, we dedicated our life to Jesus. We have been in this church now 75 years on March the 5th and we have been baptized on since June the 11th and since 1944. Eleventh, 1944. Uh, it's such a big day in the, in the life of our church, the history of our church, that we try to commemorate it every summer with a meal of some time to commemorate and remember and celebrate how it is that Ron Wheeler experienced the witness, the companionship, not only of the people of God, but of God, God's self. That's a big day, that day of that baptism. In fact, every day that we baptize somebody is important. Today is baptism of the Lord's Sunday, and we will get into that, as you've heard read so well. But in baptism, I want to make sure we understand this and we're all on the same page. That is not an individual, like, holy bath. There is an element of that. There is an element of cleansing that the person undergoes. So there is an element of that. But at least as important is this notion that we celebrate in the pool a person's inclusion into this family. And so there is a whole giant sense of with that we celebrate when someone comes out of this pool. We kind of, we kind of clap and we scream and we celebrate like crazy people because someone else is going to be with us. And that matters because <laughs> that person's not just with us, but we are the people of God, so God is with us, and so we are adopting somebody into this people with the purpose and the mission. Baptism is a big deal. It's the reason I think you ought to at least come and every once in a while remember your baptism if you were amongst the baptized because when that water hits your fingers, what I want you to feel is this. God is with us, and I'm a part of the us. So there are other people who are with me. With is important, you guys. With is the essence of who we are. With is the essence of who God is. Remember, Emmanuel is God with us. In a very significant sort of way. So significant that Jesus would come all the way to where we are and enter into humanity fully. Are you okay with this? That God, that Jesus is not just fully God, but fully human. You okay with that? Because as soon as you say fully human, what you're saying is Jesus in being fully human was fully, like we are, subjected to the push and pull of life, to the tendencies and temptations of life, to the angling of life. Why in the world would Jesus stand in line with a bunch of people to be baptized? What did Jesus have to repent of from why would Jesus get baptized? Had Jesus done something wrong? Or was Jesus saying, I'm coming all the way to where you are so that you can come all the way to where I am? With, with, with. 
Here's the passage that we heard read today. So all the people around John the Baptist, wondering in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah, right? Because they believe, the ancient Jews believe, and we still believe that when the Messiah comes and when the Messiah comes again, there will be an incredible sense of companionship, or what I'm calling today, withness. Now, is John the person who was to come? John said, no, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you, immerse you, let's say, in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Woo. Holy Spirit and with fire. So there is, in some sense, and there was for John the Baptist, a sense of with that was being celebrated or commemorated or somehow uh, communicated in the pool way back when. Way back when, when Jesus and that whole line of people were being baptized, they knew that they were being baptized into something, that they were being savage and saved, not just from something, but to something and for something. And the water, the water was that element, was that symbol that helped them to understand, sure enough, sure enough, I am in this. I can feel it. I can sense it. I've been immersed in it. And John said, yeah, and this is good, and we'll keep doing this. But this Jesus character... This Jesus character is going to do something even larger than what I'm able to do for you, and he will immerse you in the very presence of God by the Spirit. Immersed in the water is one thing. Immersed in the very Spirit of God is something else and something more. But Jesus comes. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, already enjoying the companionship and the presence of God, that sense of with. The heaven was opened. Now, that line right there may not look like so much to you, but for the ancient readers of this text, they still kind of had this understanding of the universe that would probably look a lot like a snow globe, but there would be this where we are right here, but then there's a shield across the top And they always believed about the Messiah. They always believed that at some point, this Messiah would be able to open the heavens, open the top of that snow globe, right? Well, in one of the Gospels, it says that the heavens were torn apart. I love that. Here, this year, it just says that the heavens were opened. And while we may not know it because we're not reading it like they were way back when, we need to understand how they understood it so that we can understand that similarly, this is that move when God makes a very serious move to open up the heavens and come be with us. The heavens were opened. And even more than that, the Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, which is an interesting qualifier to throw in there, right? How else would a dove descend, but in bodily form. So what is being communicated here? Withness is being communicated here. Withness. This is a tangible, touchable presence that comes and seems to take up residence in this Jesus. And here's why this is so incredibly important. Please remember this. Anytime you read Jesus doing something in the book of Luke, Sure enough, you're going to read the body of Christ doing that same thing in the book of Acts. 
And sure enough, as you read the body of Christ, now filled with this same spirit, doing incredibly Jesus-styled sorts of things in the book of Acts, we are to understand, all of us, the youngest amongst us and the oldest amongst us, we are to understand that somehow we now enjoy that same spirit and should understand ourselves as enabled and sent, commissioned to be the same kind of people who impact the world in the same kinds of ways. I am saying it right out loud, yep, You and I, as we understand ourselves to be the body of Christ, are supposed to be impacting the world the way Christ impacts and impacted the world because we enjoy the same spirit. In other words, in keeping with what we're trying to say today, the same kind of companionship that Jesus obviously now enjoys with the Father by the Spirit is the same kind of companionship with the Father mediated by the Spirit that the body of Christ enjoys in the book of Acts, and it is that same Spirit, that same sense of companionship or witness that we are to be enjoying today as we move around and are the body of Christ, particularly in the lives of those people around you who desperately need to hear it or see it, those ones in desperate need of evangelism. Can I tell you what the folks don't need? Is that okay? Can I tell you that? Uh, the folks do not need for you to refer to them first and foremost as the lost. Now, are there people who are lost? Well, for sure. What do we mean by that? We mean lost and wandering around as if lost. We mean people in need of light to light the next step and the next step and the next step. Yeah, and sometimes it's us. We need to be super careful how we toss around labels like lost, right? Because what the person in need of evangelism that is within arm's reach, and by the way, pause button, if you don't have someone around you who is in need of your evangelist heart and effort, you're not living properly. If you live your entire life, and this is just sort of a symbol, right? But if you live your entire life behind a locked gate, such that you never have to withstand (laughs) the ugliness of the person who is not yet found or the ugliness of the lost, if you have so isolated and insulated your life, your Christian life, from those who need to know that God loves them and God's mind about them is made up and the news is good, if you are so distanced from those people, man, you've got to change what your Mondays look like. I I think I mean what I'm about to say. Ready? You like what you hear your preacher say that, right? I think I mean what I'm about to say. If you have made it a point to live separated from those who are in need of your evangelist heart, I'm not sure you get this whole Christian thing. The main point of Christianity (laughs) is not to secure your eternity somewhere else. The main reason that you and I are understood and should be understood as the body of Christ is so that we can take ground here and now so that we can win hearts here and now. Baptism, 
baptism and all the resources available to the baptized aren't spent just trying to help you to sleep better at night knowing that if the rapture happens tonight, you'll be taken. Got all kinds of problems with that. The resources of baptism are meant to buoy you and nourish you and coach you and encourage you to understand that the rest of the darkened world is our responsibility. And we are sent there armed with the resources that we have as we dip, are dipped into the water so as to be tangibly aware of the witness of this Christian situation, God with us and the people of God with one another. God help us, God help me, God help you if you don't know someone who needs you to reach out. Yes, but I attend church, I work at a Christian school, I buy my groceries at a Christian bookstore or a Christian grocery store, I buy my books at a Christian bookstore, and I drive in all the Christian lanes on the highway. <laughs> so that I can keep everything clean. So I can keep everything pure. I'm going to move off of this, but I want you to hear me say this. It's not clean and it's not pure then. I mean, not like Jesus wants it to be clean and pure There's a song that we have sung for a few years. Give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. I like it. I like it. And there are times we need to remember, we need to remind one another that it's good to have clean hands and pure hearts. But I had a high school kid come to me a while back and say, I think we need another song. Whenever we sing that song, we probably ought to sing this other song with it. And he handed me lyrics, and this was the, the title of the song that he handed me was called Dirty Hands. Teenager, high school kid, said, I understand there are moments when we have to say pure hands, pure hearts, clean hands. But as pure hearts and clean hands is defined by this Jesus character, so in the eyes of other people, when we are, according to Christ, enjoying pure hearts and clean hands, to somebody else, it might look like hands that are, ready, dirty. Have we, have we been able to negotiate away the mandate to be evangelists? Justified as we feel because maybe we've seen it done poorly. We don't want to be the person who stands up in front of 30,000 people and says, okay, everybody, raise your hand. Listen, sometimes those stories are compelling. Some of those people that raise their hands, they, they live changed lives after that. We need not subtract all the meaning out of a situation like that. Or maybe you've seen it again, done poorly, and somebody else was browbeaten into faith. They probably weren't really browbeaten into faith. But have you used that excuse to not be an evangelist in your own right? I need to tell you something. The Great Commission is not just for those of us who are fortunate enough to work in a place like this and serve in a place like this. The Great Commission, go therefore into all the world, 
preach and teach and disciple and baptize. I don't know how to be any more clear, so let me say it like this. When we are trying to fill out the list and the answer to the question, what does it mean to be Christian, we have to get back to the place, let's say it like that, where we list evangelism there as an answer to what it means to be Christian. No, I'm not going to arm you with tracts. Maybe at some point that might not be a bad idea. Talking points, I think, is what they call them today. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you today. I'm not going to do that for you today. But I do want to say to you, you have lots to offer. You have lots to offer. And the most crucial thing you have to offer is what God gives to Christ as Christ is baptized. This sense of companionship, presence, withness. And what Christ then gives to us, what the Spirit then gives to us, is indispensable. Like, right, we could have a book, a dusty old book of rules and regulations, but what we get, the best part of what we get from this resurrected Christ, the best of what we get from this Holy Spirit is this sense of companionship. We can still sing and say, God with us. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it may not feel like it right now, but I'm telling you, what probably is and what should be most dear to you, as it has to do with all the gifts that God gives us, what, must, what should be most dear to you and to me, to us, is that sense of with, companionship, God with us, not just above us monitoring our process and monitoring our, our precision as we try to follow these rules or not. But what should matter the most is that God goes with you into your Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and the rest of the days. And what you have, your greatest gift to give to the person who desperately needs to be reached, evangelized, your best gift, hear this, your best gift to give to that person who does need to be reached and evangelized is your withness, companionship, presence. Share your life with the person who needs to know God. Share your life with the person that needs to know God especially on the days that are darkest for him, for her, for you. Explore the power of witness. C. Ray reached Ron Wheeler. And there are people in the room who are still reaching other people in the room, moving them closer and closer to an intimacy with God so that each of us, I hope that someday, at some point, can testify to this deep sense that God is, in fact, with us. It's a great story. I want you to hear this story. Puts really good skin and flesh on this. I have good friends, Lori and Jeremy Lamb, who I feel like has embodied the presence of God. They ask themselves the question, how can I be more dependent on God and how can I be countercultural? 
And the answer to that question ended in them fostering out of the Oklahoma system. And what turned from one child um, originally turned into three children. And over the course of a couple of years, they had the opportunity to adopt. And what makes the story even more empowering is that these weren't necessarily healthy children. Come to find out one of them will potentially have medical conditions that she has to deal with the rest of their lives. And Jeremy and Laurie knew that and they continue to pursue these kids and they have opened up their home and their hearts to these children. And that's been the witness of God for me. And I'll always be changed because of their example. And I'll always be changed because of their example. That's God. And that's it. And that's perfect. I promise you, you have something to offer the other who needs desperately to know that God is and that God is for us. And what you have to offer is your presence, your companionship, your life. Good outreach, good evangelism, ready? Always results in companionship. I don't know if you're a person that writes things down, but that's a pretty good one. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to say it again. Good outreach. And remember, we're on the hook to do it, so we might as well do it well. Good outreach. Good evangelism. Always, 100% of the time, results in companionship. Yes, the companionship of God with someone who did not, to that point, know that God could be this close, this near, this intimate but also, because so many times, so many days, it's one of you who mediates the very presence of God in my life and the lives of the people in my family. Hear this too. Good outreach, good evangelism always results in companionship. Yes, the companionship between God and humanity, but also the companionship between people. With. Withness. Presence. If you're helping us, please come help us to set this table. I want to remind you that uh, Zach will be out there in the atrium, and during these moments of response, there we have several other videos that we're going to be seeing uh, over these next several weeks. But there is ample opportunity for you to go back there. Zach is headed back there now, and just give us a minute, a minute and a half. How did someone, in a surprising sort of way, embody the very presence of God in your life? This sense of being with that we've talked about so much today. So while we are responding, you'll have that opportunity to come here to the table, to dip your fingers into this baptismal pool, but also, perhaps in the midst of your praying, to go back there and tell that story. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Bless these elements. And God, use them somehow to further your kingdom May we, because of these elements, be something more than what we would have been otherwise, more perceptive, more aware. Yes, God, more perceptive and aware of your presence, which we remember with broken body and shed blood, bread and cup, but also more perceptive and more aware of the other, the other within arm's reach who could be 
the subject of our effort to evangelize. Remind us, God. Remind us on a regular basis that the most precious gift that we have to give in the effort to reach out or to evangelize, the most precious gift we have at our disposal is our own life, our sense of presence, the capacity to be with another person on good days and bad days. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pews to the left, and to come forward, walk towards somebody holding a plate of bread. As you get closer to the person holding the bread, please cup your hands and be ready because that person holding the bread is going to snap off a piece, press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. When you do, that person holding the cup will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. And then if you would, go find a place to pray. Now you can come to one of these front uh, padded altars, and if you do, someone will meet you there and pray that prayer for healing. And you can come for a, a, uh, a physical wound of some kind. Maybe it's a mental challenge, emotional, relational, familial, whatever kind of healing you need, we will pray that prayer with you at these front padded altars. If you come to one of these other altars, we won't assume a thing, but at some point somebody will touch you to communicate to you that God is present with you. And the people of God are present with you as you sort through whatever it is that you're sorting through here. If you want to, you can make a special trip here. Dip your fingers into this bowl and remember the moment. Remember the moment that you were included in the most official sort of way into the people of God. And I do hope that a couple of you will find your way to the atrium to tell the story. The story of the moment when God surprised you with God's presence. If you can't come to us, then Chase and Kristen will come to you and want to remind us that all are welcome at this table. If you understand your need for grace, then nothing else matters. You are welcome at this table. It was on the night he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. In the same way, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant now shed for you. And every time you drink of it, remember me. This new covenant is all about presence and companionship and God being with so all across the sanctuary now, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God.